You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Good morning, everybody. My heart is full, and I hope you're ready to receive from the Lord this morning. Um, I just felt this prompting this week from the Lord, uh, and this kind of sets us up for the next several weeks. And I really felt like the Lord was telling me, uh, tell them about me until their hearts burst with hunger. Just point people to Jesus, to him, until this innate God-given hunger that's inside of you that he actually created and put in you bursts out of you. Like where you are sick and tired of giving that hunger to all these other things and finally he becomes the most real uh, one to you in the entire universe. And so that's going to be my aim. I know it's... um, ambitious, but we're going to go for it. If you'd all stand, I'm going to give it the best chance possible by us praying first before we receive the word. It's like, this is the, the power pack punch. You got worship, which like gets our hearts saturated with the presence of the Lord, ready to receive. And then we actually pray before we open the word because you never want to be accused of treating this book like just another book on your bookshelf because this one, this one is living and active. You can treat it like it's just transfer of information, but what it will do will actually uh, enslave you to religion. And so instead, we approach it with this humility of heart and prayerful spirit that says, Lord, speak to my heart. I want to see you and, and hear from you. And so we're actually going to talk a lot about that uh, in a few weeks as the spiritual ears to hear. But I want us to pray before we open up God's word. So look at the scripture on, on the screen, Psalm 34. Uh, It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, believe that he is a God that can be experienced. Just like you taste food or you see things with your eyes, so it is with the Lord all around you. He wants you to experience his character and his nature and his attributes. And blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Like, take note of his reality. For those who fear him have no lack so we talked about last, last week in Psalm 24, those gates of our heart, the king of glory wants to come in and take up residence in us as the only thing that satisfies us. The young, young lions suffer and want, but those who seek the Lord lack no good things. So let's pray. Lord, we pray that your word would be living and active in this place. Holy Spirit, come, pierce our hearts, the sword of your spirit, that we would be changed and moved by you, changed and transformed into the image of you. We'd reflect you more clearly. Lord, in any gathering like this, there are those that are lost. There are those that are searching. There are those that are adopted into the kingdom. And your word, and by your spirit, has the ability to draw us all to yourself in a way that brings transformation and life change and freedom and joy and peace. So do it again this morning, Lord, in your mighty name. We posture ourselves in a place this morning to receive from you in your mighty name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. You can sense the Lord in this place. Can you not? God is so good. Um, so I talked a lot about this last week, but this, this, um, the way that God designed us with God-given hungers 
and thirst and these, these gates of our heart. Remember I talked about Psalm 24 and how we open ourselves up to, to the ways of this world, the things of this world, and, and fill ourselves with these things. But he is the only one in whom we're supposed to open up these gates and say, King of glory, come in, have your way in, in our lives. Well, on the same level that that is true on an individual level, I want, I want us to open our eyes to how that is also true to us as a church, for us as a church. In the same way we as individuals seek out these other things to numb the hunger pangs that the Lord has put inside of us through things that are superficial, things that are temporary, so it is with the church. I mean, we, especially the Western church, we are so ready to run to all these other things, stuff and busyness and flashy gimmicks that sat, temporarily satisfy the longings of our heart. And I do believe a wave of repentance is sweeping across the church, especially the Western church, to come back to the simplicity and the purity of loving Jesus with all that we are. I don't know how many churches I see, they say their, their mission is to love God, love others. But we're failing so often in loving God with all that we are extravagantly. And um, I'll just stop right there, actually. I don't want to step on toes uh, for anything other than what the Lord is calling me to do. But, um, but I would say, let us never go back to the days where church is boring or predictable. You know, church gatherings, the gathering of God's people are these reverent, awe-inspiring encounters with the Lord, with the King of glory. So church is not a game. Church is not a duty. This is not a box we check off on our checklist Church is the people of God gathering in the presence of God to minister to the Lord until we reflect him more accurately, until we look more like him. So why don't you uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6 this morning. I want us to look the ministry of Jesus and how the King of Glory is once again, but in a very... Um, simple, pure, like down-to-earth, tangible way. He's coming amongst the people here in John chapter 6, and he's inviting, inviting them to open up their eyes and see him for who he is and invite them to open up their hearts to him. The king of glory may come in. He says the kingdom of God is near. Sometimes that's big and bold, and sometimes it's, in the, it's the need of the moment in the humble stuff of life. And here it's the, the feeding of hungry bellies, which the second service, you know, there's more of this. So we're all, you're all going to be, I'm going to be talking about hunger and tasting food and, and you're all just going to be thinking about Little Caesars or Chipotle or something. So stick with me. Allow that hunger, the physical hunger, to point you to the hungers, the deeper hungers of the soul that are only satisfied in Jesus. So let's read this, John chapter 6. Starting in verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. This, these are the ways of Jesus. And oh, how often the church has neglected the ways of Jesus. He drew people to himself by expressing the kingdom which is the healing of the sick and the redemption of those that are held captive and bound. 
That's it. I mean, Jesus didn't draw these multitudes because he had some great PR firm or some campaign manager or slick marketing. He drew the multitudes by speaking to the human heart, by ministering to actual needs in a desperate and dying world. And I would say, let us do what Jesus did and let us never move on from that. I would say so often in our intellectual, you know, left brain age, we manipulate our theology to fit what's normal to us. But we cannot change our theology based on what's normal around us. This, what we just read, Jesus drawing the world unto himself, like him truly being the light of the world, which he's called us to be a city on a hill, light in the darkness, light in this world. He did it by actually ministering in radical ways to their needs, by actually ministering healing to the sick. This needs to stop being rare in the church. That's why we're going to continue to pray for and minister healing to the sick in this house until it's normal. Like until we stop like scratching our heads at how rare it is. Like we, we, it's just, we got to contend and, and push for this to again return to normalcy in the church. This is what Jesus paid for. That's why we pray for the sick. Psalm 103, verse 3, says that he forgives us of our sins and he heals all our diseases. Isaiah 53, verse 5, says it's by his stripes we are healed. But in our left brain, intellectual, um, we have too much time to think, culture, we twist and manipulate and uh, do these mental gymnastics around those promises to explain away any sort of call to action upon ourselves, to put ourselves in a, in a place that maybe look foolish in the eyes of the world. And then a world dies in want. So we, we got to change. We have to step it up. We have to be a people that actually take Jesus' example and his words seriously. Let's do it. Verse 4 says, Now the Passover, our feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> don't you feel bad for Philip? I don't know if in school, like if you had that moment where the teacher's looking around and you knew he or she was going to call on somebody and then you put your head down. You can just kind of sense Philip in this moment. He's like, oh, dang, he called on me. <laughs> He's like, so Philip, where are we going to buy bread? What, you know, what are we going to do? And, and Philip's like fumbling, kind of going to buy some time here. I love how Jesus asks questions. This is, the, this is the era of relationship, friendship that Jesus actually walked with his disciples in. It was actual relationship, and he's taking them somewhere. You know, Jesus has the answers. He holds the answers. You know, John tells us that. He knew what he was going to do. So he was asking Philip this question because he wanted to bring Philip somewhere. I've been trying to learn, like even in my own stubbornness, I've been trying to learn to stop answering the Lord so quickly when he asks me a question. I, I, I kind of prided myself in being a good student, so I'm that, I'm that guy, like, okay, I'm going to have the right answer, Lord. But in me answering so quickly, I'm already failing. 
Or maybe it's a D. Maybe it's like, it's not going to pass a snuff test. But I answer quickly. You know, Jesus asks over 300 questions in the Gospels. And it's not because he doesn't know the answers. He's not looking for my answer. He's wanting to teach me something. He's wanting to draw me into a posture of humility. And, you know, disciple means actually student. A very literal translation of that word disciple is to be a student. So if the teacher asks you a question, the teacher knows the answer. And I've been finding myself, it's much better if I actually return his question with another question. (laughs) Okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me? What do you want me to learn? Lord, I look to you as the answer. He is the answer. He holds all answers and he is the answer. The Lord asks me these questions. He stops me and he says, Drew, why do you want to do that? Drew, why are you getting so worked up about that? Drew, haven't I forgiven you of much more than that offense that you're holding on to, that unforgiveness? Those are the questions the Lord asks us. And I would encourage us to stop answering so quickly and see him as the answer, the one who holds the answer. And he wants to bring us somewhere. He wants to take us somewhere. Amen. Do you receive that? Allow your ears to be open to the questions of the Lord. Verse 7 says, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Philip has an answer, and Jesus moves on quickly because Philip didn't get it right. He's starting to calculate, you know, in our human intellect and, and logic, how we can, we can do this, how can we pull this off. But there was a young, humble boy who had five loaves and two fish. But Andrew himself, failing the test, says, what are these among so many? What is five loaves and two fish amongst tens of thousands? We'll find out here that there's 5,000 men. And so you add women and children on top of that. There's, there's well over 10,000 people that have gathered because of the healing power of Jesus. Many of them don't even know what they're gathering to. They just know that there's hope. Like they're so sick of being oppressed and sick and hurting. And they're looking for a glimmer of hope in this one who seems so otherworldly. I want to point us to a kingdom principle here. As, you know, Andrew points out the obvious, that this is so little. Five loaves and two fish. What is this for the thousands? There's a kingdom principle that rarely does the Lord do something out of nothing. He usually is looking for something, some sort of sacrifice, some sort of surrender, He's looking for something to be laid on the altar so he can burn it up. This is a kingdom principle of the Lord multiplying our little and turning it into something beautiful. The Lord multiplying something. And so because of that principle, this requires us to admit that we do have something. Because I would say oftentimes, maybe not oftentimes, but sometimes, we do use the Lord as a plan B or an, a quick escape from our dilemma. 
hey, we're in a real pickle here. We have to try to feed the masses here. So God, just sweep in and and bring that buffet. Sweep in and feed them, Lord. Do your thing. And the Lord is generous and gracious, but he's looking for a small sacrifice. He's looking for one humble spirit of surrender. Something little. It's like the widow's might. It was little, but it was beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Sow what you have. Put it into the Lord's hands and allow him to breathe into it and see it multiply. A hundredfold. Pastor Tony, at midweek prayer this week, we kicked off a new season of prayer uh, Wednesdays at noon. and uh, The Lord had led us beautifully as we were praying for our city into um, a a lot of prayers of surrender, kind of in this similar vein. And Tony, towards the end, prayed this beautiful prayer. prayer. He said, take my little life. I know it's not much, but I give it to you. And isn't that the reality? That everything in the universe is little to the Lord. It doesn't matter if it's five loaves, two, or five fish and two loaves, or if it's my life. It's all little before the Lord. Think of scale to the Lord. We oftentimes refuse to surrender what we have, not because we think it's little. Here I am going to step on some toes. I mean, let's be honest. Oftentimes we have our five loaves and our two fish, and we want our belly to be full. So we're like, I'm going to hang on to this. I don't want to surrender it. I'm a, I'm a better handler of my money. I'm a better shepherd of my kids' hearts. So I'm going to micromanage and control it all. I'm not going to surrender these things to the Lord. And so we, we give lip service to, the, to being little, but deep down in our hearts, we actually believe it's much. So we believe the Lord could do something out of nothing. That's what we say anyways, but instead we really just don't want to surrender what we have because we're afraid of losing it. So think of scale to the Lord. This is the Lord of the universe. Everything is little before him. We read last week, Psalm 24, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything. And so that's why sometimes we say, you know, why does the Lord want my tithe? Or why does the Lord want me to fast? Like, why does he care if I skip a lunch or something? Why does the Lord, you can fill in the blank, why does the Lord want you to surrender whatever it is, an addiction or unforgiveness or bitterness? Like, why does he care? He has everything in the universe. It's not for him. It's never because he needs what we have. Ever. You just remember that. The Lord is calling something out in you, not because he needs what you have. He is in need of no one. He actually wants you to be loosed from control of whatever it is, fill in the blank. With tithe, it's, it's, he wants us to be free of control of money over our lives. With fasting, he wants us to be, he doesn't want us to be enslaved to food. Or whatever it is, he doesn't want, us, he want you to be enslaved to bitterness or unforgiveness. He wants you to be free. So I do believe this morning the Lord, and I'm going to give an opportunity for this at the end before we receive communion. I do believe the Lord's giving us an invitation to surrender this morning in a fresh way. The Lord wants you to be free. He wants me to walk in a new level of freedom, and he's taking us somewhere. I believe we've been saying that 
for several months, six to eight months now, that we believe the Lord's taking us somewhere, that he positioned us coming out of 2020 with a, with a purpose, set on something, on a move, of his, a move of his Holy Spirit. But in that comes a cost, and that cost is surrender, a deeper level of surrender. And so it may seem like little, but let us take the Lord at his word, set it at his feet, and see him burn it up and turn it into something beautiful. Let's keep reading, verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Isn't that the Lord? As much as they wanted, they ate until their stomachs were content, until their hearts were content. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. This is beautiful. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over. All you mathematicians, you're, you're just trying to crunch the numbers. How is that possible? 12 baskets with five barley loaves and two fish, filling five, tens of thousands till their hearts are content. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the king of glory. This is, this is the one in whom we have longed for. This is the one we've been looking for. This is the one the prophets foretold. This is Messiah. But there's something so beautiful that I want us to understand, especially, and I think we, we need to, as a church, mature in this. If we're going to allow the Lord to, to move in this house and, and use us for his glory, I don't want us to ever confuse the generosity of the Lord with any sort of wastefulness. Because there's something paired here. In verse 12, Jesus tells them, after their hearts are content, they're all full. No one wants any more. They've all, all had thirds and fourths and all the kids have, have eaten as well. He tells them to go and gather up the fragments. Go and gather up the crumbs and the bits and the pieces and put, put, put them in the baskets so that nothing is lost. He didn't want them just to stand back and just be in awe and admiration of his generosity that everyone is, is content, but he actually wanted them to go out and do the work of stockpiling the fragments so that nothing is lost. Because yes, the Lord is generous to fill our bellies, to fill us with what our hearts long for truly in him, but he is not a God of waste. So yes, he is generous but, but stewardship is an act of worship in the kingdom that we cannot neglect. In his extravagance, we steward. Stewardship is worship. God, in his generosity and sufficiency, is never wasteful. He never lacks, but he's never wasteful. We value what the Lord has provided. We value and, and cherish every time the Lord saves a soul in this house. Every time. And let that never get old to us. Every time the Lord heals a headache, I say, praise the Lord. The lamb is, is receiving the reward of his suffering once again. 
And what that demonstrates to the Lord, that heart of humility, gratitude, stewardship, it demonstrates that we can, we can handle more. We can be entrusted with something more. It shows that we can be entrusted with what he is doing, with a heart, that, that is, that with a soul that is saved, with a, with a healing breakthrough in somebody's life because we're valuing it, because we are stewarding it. We need to allow the Lord's provision of resources or the miraculous to fuel worship and intimacy. And I believe this is a, a strong call for us in the West. You know, all the more in light of world events, you know, over the last number of weeks with what's happening in the Middle East. As we see how much we have and how blessed we are, physical peace, physical provision, and people are dying and in horrible situations, let us never be wasteful. Or let us stop being wasteful. I should just say that. Let's be honest. Let us never take for granted the Lord's generosity towards us. I'm not trying to just beat us up or make us feel bad for having much. But there's a responsibility that comes to us. And I believe the Lord wants to pour out his, his presence in this house in an even greater way and his blessing and his glory on this house in an even greater way. But we have to reflect in our hearts that we're learning, that we're going with him. We have to stop being so stubborn and say, Lord, we honor what you've done. There was a testimony that came to me from last week um, of a neck that was healed during worship. Pain that left, you know, just sovereignly in the presence of the Lord. And I praise God for that. A neck that is healed. We were friends last night and just sharing a testimony of healed eczema and healed MS. And those testimonies need to fuel in us a spirit of worship and gratitude and thanksgiving. That the Lord is alive and he is entrusting us with a glimpse of his glory. He doesn't have to do that, you know. But he gives us these glimpses of who he truly is to draw us to himself. That we might come into alignment with his master plan for humanity. The redemption of souls. The king of glory may come in and make his home with us. I want us to respond to the Lord. If you'd all stand in this place, we are going to end by receiving communion together as a church family. But I, I have to give us an opportunity to respond to the Lord. So if you'd all, all bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. If you're here and as I'm talking and experience worship and you experience the presence of the Lord, you're realizing in your heart of hearts that you need new life in Jesus. That you need to place your trust in him as your savior. You're realizing that you can't find that anywhere else and that today is your day for new life. Today is your day to be born again. Today is your day to trust him with all that you are, to experience salvation, the forgiveness of sins. Please, everyone, bow your heads, close your eyes. This morning, I want to give you an invitation. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to do that, to make a decision to follow him, a decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ and for new life to come. And if that's you, if you'd raise your hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else?
is your moment. Doesn't matter if you've prayed a prayer like that before, but this morning you know that you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you raise your hand, would you come forward? I want this to be your morning. Is there anybody else? Everyone, keep your eyes closed. Pray right now in the spirit. I actually believe there there are others in this place that need to make a confession in Jesus Christ as their savior. Like redemption is calling you. Your creator is calling you. I want to tell you that time is short and nobody is guaranteed tomorrow that Jesus spilled blood for you. If you're here in this place and you doubt the Lord's love for you, can I just tell you, look at the cross. Look at the cross. He literally was hung on that tree for you to demonstrate his love for you, that there is no sin that you could commit that would make you unsavable, unredeemable. He went there for you But there's a point where you have to come and you actually have to put your faith in him. You have to stop trying to clean up your own life. Is there anybody else that wants to come? Just come forward right now. So right now, if you want to place your faith in Jesus, pray like this. And everyone just pray along right now with this amazing man of God, this This man who has a destiny and a purpose upon his life. The Lord is called and appointed and is calling home this morning. Everyone in the house, pray a prayer like this. Lord, this morning, I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I look to the cross and I see love for me. And I place my faith in you in you alone, in the resurrection, in the fact that you are living today, actually interceding on my behalf. And I believe your Holy Spirit comes to live inside right now that I am born again, that this is new life that I'm a new creation, that this is a new start, no turning back. Amen. Let's give him a huge hand. Just stay right there. Secondly, in the house this morning, I said I want to give a call for surrender. So right now, before the Lord, Would you come before the cross? And I believe there's something that the Lord may be calling you to surrender in a greater way. I mean, isn't that maturity in the Lord, us growing in a life of yieldedness and surrender and abandon before the Lord? That's what it is. So right now, close your eyes, come before the cross. Submit yourself to him. See if there's anything the Lord is calling you to surrender to him.
money, addictions. Those are the easy things maybe that come to mind. But what about the bitterness and the unforgiveness? What about the anxiety that's defined you? What about those pet sins and preferences that you cling to to escape the pain of this world? Will you trust this kind and generous Lord that is not trying to be cruel, but in his kindness is leading you to repentance? Would you just surrender that to the Lord? And even actually as a picture of the family of God, I believe there's some individuals that should come and surrender to the Lord right here, surrounding this young man who surrendered his life to Christ. So if you want to have a moment with the Lord to surrender, whatever it is, I want you to come forward, surrender yourself to Jesus in a fresh way. Come, come out of your seats. A few of you, I believe there's some that want to come and surrender themselves. This is the family of God. And we're going to receive communion. Those that are up here, you just get to be closer to the glory of God. Those in your seats, that's amazing. So I want us to grab some of the elements. They're in the seat, seat backs in front of you. Some of the leadership can help people that are up here at the altars get some, some of the elements. This is, this is beautiful. Like communion should never be like a, a cold religious obligation. This is meant to be life. This is meant to be life-giving. So Jesus gave us this um, active remembrance to draw us closer to himself. And so later on in John chapter 6, pointing to communion and the work of the cross, but still talking about the miracle that just took place of the bread being multiplied to the masses. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers, meaning, meaning like the Israelites, the forefathers in the wilderness, they ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Just like the, the stuff of this world will be in and out and it will be here and gone, you'll die. But this, him pointing to himself, this is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So I want us to take the bread right now. That points us to Jesus actually coming and taking on flesh for us. The Son of God coming and taking on flesh on our behalf. And I actually had this thought as, as I was receiving communion with my family this week, that the, the reality of Jesus coming, on, coming and taking on flesh for us reminds us that he actually cares about the things that we face, that he knows he's familiar with the things that we stress out about and that we that we wrestle with on a daily basis. He is not a distant Lord, a distant God in some uh, vast 
outer universe, end of the universe. No, instead he actually came and inserted himself in the midst of the mess, experienced the, the pains and the temptations, but yet was without sin. And communion reminds us of that. He took on flesh. So right now, close your eyes. In that familiarity with the, the pains, the burdens, the yokes that you carry, allow that to be an invitation for you to surrender it all at the feet of Jesus. Lay it at the foot of Jesus, feet of Jesus. Stress being lifted off your shoulders right now. Migraines are actually rooted in anxiety being lifted right now as we meditate on the goodness of God displayed in the person of Jesus. Joint pain that is actually induced by anxiety and stress lifting right now in the name of Jesus as we look to your cross and your sufficiency, Jesus. We eat of living bread. We eat of you, Lord. And you're the one who sustains us and gives us life. Let's eat of the bread. Let's take the cup. reminds us of forgiveness of sins that even though our sin was worthy of death he shed his blood for us so we wouldn't have to and now we're white as snow and so let us stop the religious antics of trying to earn the grace of the Lord me and my wife were just having that conversation a couple weeks ago about how often we try to prove our worthiness to be in the presence of the Lord. That's foolishness. That was Jesus who went before the Father as the only sufficient sacrifice so that now we can stand before the Father. So let us stop with the, the works-based, tormenting uh, uh, mindsets and instead, we come low into the presence of the Lord because of the beautiful grace of God displayed through the death of Jesus. Let's drink the cup. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.